Welcome to the Dulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. If that sounds familiar, it's because it is. We were there last week, all right? So turn to Romans chapter 12. Uh, We're going to actually look at the first two verses today. Now, I've got a question for you. You guys know I'm older than most of you in this room, minus a few of the youth coaches in the back. But um, how many of you have ever played on an original NES, like Nintendo Entertainment System, like the original, okay? Not the little mini one. Okay, so we've got a few of you. So when you, when I was growing up is when the Nintendo came out. So for Christmas one year, yes, I know, sounds terrible, doesn't it? But for Christmas one year, we got a Nintendo. And so when you had a Nintendo, what you'd have to do is there were these cartridges. Y'all have played this, right? Like you've seen it. So you would try to get it in there just right and then hope when you press a power button that the game would load. And if not, they had like all these tricks, right? You'd blow on the back of the cartridge, you'd push it in a certain way, do all this. Some of you have done this before. Now what I will tell you is, what used to be so frustrating about a Nintendo is when you would play a game early on, they had like no checkpoints, no continues, nothing. It was like you had to go straight through with the amount of lives that you got at the beginning. So when you would go through these games, it wasn't the most stable system. A lot of times it would just end up freezing. Like something would happen, you'd have the Nintendo on for a while because you couldn't save. So you'd have it on and then you'd get like to the very end of this game and then screen would freeze. And what would you have to press when the screen would freeze? Who knows? It's on the screen. Reset. So literally, you'd like lose everything that you've done, but you get a whole new start. And here's, here's the thing. This is why we're kind of going with this theme, reset. There's a lot of us that look forward to 2021, right? Look forward to this year. And I know that we're seven day, 17 days in, and for some of you are like, ah, 2021 already sucks, okay? Stay with me. We got a whole year ahead of us. We've only spent 17 days in it. But there's a lot of us that look forward to it, and they're going, man... I want to view this year as a reset because 2020 wasn't the best, right? Let's just put 2020 to bed. Let's not even mention it anymore. I'm going to make a vow to you. I'm going to do my best to never mention 2020 again from this stage and tell everybody else that preaches they're not allowed to. Because if you're like me, I can't stand hearing everybody go, oh, well, it was just the worst year and do all that. Let's just move on. Let's reset. Let's start over. Let's do this, right? Okay? So when you think of what you want this year to be, like, do something for me. When you think of what you want to become in 2021, what's your vision for this year? You know, usually when people make New Year's resolutions, they're thinking things like, I want to be healthier. I want to, I want to uh, lose some weight. That's been my goal every year for the last 37 years. You know, I, I, want, to, I want to do these things. And so you, you have all of this stuff that you're like, man, this is, this is my chance. This is new. This is good. Really, when you look at 2021, what's your vision? What are you thinking about that you're going, this is really what I hope this year is? Are you going to finally ask that girl out? Is that your goal this year? 
You know, are you hoping to make a, a sports team? Are you trying out for a new extracurricular activity? Are you going to give your all? Is your goal that your team wins state this year? Is this your, your last chance to try out and really make all region, do all those things? I, I have no idea what it is for you. I want to get the, the leading role in our musical. I, I don't know. But think about what your vision is for this year. And then I want you to do this. I want you to think about what's, what God's vision for you this year is. If God was to tell you this is what I want you to do this year, are those two visions the same? Do they look alike or are they a little bit different? You see, what I think needs to happen for us is we need a reset. We want to all reset ourselves from what was really tough to now, hey, I, I want to I do this better. And I think there's no better place for us to start than in God's Word this year. Now, before we do that, I, I want to address something. There's this common feeling that a lot of people have. That they go, man, around this time every year, or really it's just any time that you talk about, man, I want to do what God wants in my life. I want to follow God's plan for my life, whatever. There's a lot of people that the longer you do this, you go, I just don't know anymore. Like, I just want to be real honest with you. There's people that go, I've tried everything. I, I, I come to church. I've been in a connect group. I've, I've gone to camps. I've, I've been on mission trips. I've done all these things, and yet still I'm struggling. Still, I'm, I'm dealing with all of these different things. I'm, I'm just miserable when it comes to my spiritual life. Why is that? Can I read a quote for you? John MacArthur says this. He says, the key to spiritual victory and true happiness is not trying to get all we can from God, but in giving all that we are and all that we have to him. In Romans chapter 12 we see this. We see this example that was set for us to say that we, we've got to give ourselves. Well, why? God gave himself for us so that we might give ourselves to him. Remember when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, how he responded? To love the Lord your God with, say it, all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Not half your heart. Not half your soul, not part of your strength, but to love the Lord your God with everything that we have. I think, I really do, I think it's time for a reset, not just for us as a youth ministry, but, but as Christians. And we go, we get this backwards, and we think that somehow God owes us something. And that, hey, if I go to church well, you know, and I'm, I'm making it all the time. If I'm, if I'm in my connect group, I'm doing all this stuff. Man, everything's just going to be great. God's going to give this to me. No, that's not how it works. This reset is changing our mindset to follow what God wants for us. So Romans 12, just the first two verses. I'm going to read them, then we're going to break it down into four points. It'll be real simple, hopefully. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I appeal to you, brothers... Or excuse me, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
So if we're going to have a reset, it's going to take these four things, and they all come from this scripture, all right? I'd encourage you to write these down. Number one, we've got to reset your perspective. If you look at verse one, it says, "I I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. If you read this in the NIV, it says, in view of God's great mercy. Now, the word there for mercy uh, really is plural. It, it's, it's multiple mercies. You guys, if you've been here, around here for a long time, you know that when we define mercy, it means you not getting what you deserve. So mercy is God looks at you and goes, yeah, I know he's messed up a whole lot. Yeah, I know that she still sins. Yeah, I know all these things, yet I'm not going to destroy her. Does that make sense? God is not giving you the punishment you deserve. And this happens over and over and over again. Like, just look at the last week in your life. Be honest with yourself. Look at the the things that, that you've done or you've allowed yourself to do or the things that you haven't done. You think you have a merciful God? Absolutely. And what Paul appeals to, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, in view of God's or the mercies of God, God's great mercy. There's a reason why Scripture says his mercy is new every morning. You know why? Because you, you, when you have the right perspective, you view all of these amazing things that God doesn't do to you. There's a lot of people that get upset at God because they're like, God, why aren't you doing all this for me? And you're like, time out. Look what God hasn't punished you for right now. Like you talk about mercy. You gotta change your perspective. You gotta reset it and go, hold up. Let, let me reset my perspective here. When was the last time you just were thankful to God for how merciful he is to you? I promise you it's worth it. It'll change your perspective completely. There's times when you're down in the dumps and you're like, oh, well, I, I, don't, I don't think anything's going right for me. Hold on. You know, old people used to tell us to count your blessings, name them one by one. I don't know if you ever heard that old song that they used to make us sing in church when I was a little kid. But you know why you do that? It's because you start to see all these mercies that God has given you over and over and over again. This is where Paul starts. He says, reset your perspective. Second thing is he says, reset your position. He goes on, he says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God. So our job, because God has been so merciful, not giving us what we deserve, our job is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. You guys know what the term oxymoron means? Some of you, okay, some of you are like, I don't know, like a dumb, pimpled person? No, an oxymoron means that like these two things don't go together, like they're opposites, but yet somehow you put them together. Like soft rock, that's an oxymoron. Like uh, jumbo shrimp, oxymoron. Like uh, good country music, oxymoron. No, I'm kidding, no. But this is one of, I'm kidding, I like country, it's a joke, it's a joke, okay? I'm wearing cowboy boots, okay? But anyways, anyways, the the idea of a living sacrifice is an oxymoron. 
Like, if you have been sacrificed, what does that mean? You're gone. <laughs> like, you, you, you got killed, right? So, if it's a living sacrifice, why does, why does Paul put these two together? He says, present your bodies as a living, living sacrifice. Obviously, he's not saying, hey, everybody go out and die for your faith today. Just find a way to do it. If that's stepping in front of a semi-truck, you do it. Lay on a railroad track, you find a way to kill yourself today. Be a, be a sacrifice. No, that's not at all what he's saying. He's saying a living sacrifice. So use the same idea. We're viewing God's great mercy over and over again, right? We're viewing it. We're seeing it. Now our job is to reset our position, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, meaning that this is in the present tense. It happens over and over and over again. That's the idea of living. So this is why Paul says that I die daily. This is why he says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. So we present our bodies, and I want to go into this a little bit. I know this might get a little nerdy for some of you, but stay with me. I promise that's good, okay? What he does is he steals this imagery from the Old Testament and the sacrificial system, where what they would do is they would set apart an animal knowing that this animal was going to be sacrificed. So when they had all of their goats, they'd take their best goat, the one without blemish, and they'd go, this is the one we're keeping for the sacrifice. Do the same thing with their sheep. Do it with doves. They do it with all these different things. And this is the idea that Paul's taking, where he says, we are to present this. Realize that families would come from all over the nation of Israel for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And they would have these animals that they'd raised all year long. Anybody 4-H or FFA? Like, you know, you know kind of what that's like, or none of you do? Okay. So y'all shouldn't have been offended by the country music joke then. Come on. So anyways, you got, when you raise an animal with the express purpose that this animal is going to be sacrificed, you know what it's, what it's being raised for. And you present it. You bring it up those southern steps to the temple, and you walk in with your family, and you say, this is... This is to pay for our sins. Paul says that's how we should view our bodies, our fallen bodies, the very physical nature that sins over and over again. He flips it. And he says rather than just continue to fall into sin, yes, you will have your issues from time to time, but our job with our bodies is rather than to go, you know what, I can't win this battle. He says, no, change your position and present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, that means set apart and acceptable to God. Remember in the Old Testament, God wouldn't accept a sacrifice that was impure. It had to be this pure, spotless lamb. So we gotta reset our position. We've got to do things differently. Not look at ourselves and go, well, what does God deserve to give to me? What do I deserve from him? But rather, what can I give to God? It's a reset, a hard reset. But notice the phrase he puts at the end of it. He says, which is your spiritual worship? Now, this is one of those few times that, like, the ESV really doesn't do a good job here. The term there for spiritual has nothing to do with spirituality. In the Greek, that term actually means logical or reasonable. 
So when you see your spiritual worship, it really should be your reasonable act of service, not spiritual worship. What the original intent was that what Paul's saying, he's saying, guys, when you actually reset your perspective and you look at God's great mercies that are given to you over and over and over again, the only logical response is for you to give your all back to him. That's it. And somehow we've messed this up where we've become these these. Christians who think that somehow God's not doing enough for me. And it's like, hold on. You're not doing enough for God. And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anyone. This should be something that God is revealing to you. Paul's saying, guys, look at this. In view of God's great mercies, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, for this is our reasonable act of service. This is what makes logical sense. God's great, we're not. Don't get that messed up. You reset your position. Number three, you reset your priorities. He goes on with this. He says, do not be conformed to this world. The idea of conformed, it it means an outward expression. This means that you can tell that someone's trying to be like someone they're not. So this idea of conforming is like playing with Play-Doh, right? Where I can mold this any way that I want to, and I can make it look like something else. I sculpted it into something else. What Paul says, he says, do not. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world or to this world. The idea of the world, it really just means this present age. It's a dangerous place to live when Christians are really comfortable in a fallen world. It just is. Like when you feel at home here, you might have your your priorities off. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says, if If I find within myself a desire which this world cannot satisfy, the most logical explanation is I was not made for this world. There's a reason why the Bible describes us as strangers or aliens. We don't belong here. We're just passing through. It says our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. Don't plant deep roots in this world because it's not going to last. You store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. The world and and its desires will pass away, but the one who does the will of my Father will live forever. Listen, when, when Christians start just blending in perfectly with the world, we miss our opportunity to have a great testimony. This is why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be what? Hidden. Our job's not to blend in and just look like, we we don't need a bunch of covert Christians. And when he's talking here, this is an outward expression. This is what you look like and act like and what you do, what your priorities are. Your priorities as believers shouldn't be the same priorities as the rest of of the world. There was a commentary I was reading when I was studying this from 1955. Listen to what this guy says. 
He says, stop assuming an outward expression which is patterned after this world, an expression which does not come from nor is representative of what you are in your inner being as a regenerated child of God. This was in the 50s. 55 is when my dad was born. Like, think about this. 65 years ago, someone's warning, hey, Christians, don't, don't, don't be patterned after this world. Those expressions don't come from God. No, you've been renewed, you've been made new. Make sure you have the right priorities. He goes on here, he says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We're gonna get a little deep here, okay? I told you that the word conformed has to do with outer appearance. You would logically think that transform has to do with what? You're inside, right? You just think that. I've probably preached it before. You know that the word transformed here also has to do with your outer appearance? It also has to do with what's happening on the outside, your actions, what you look like, how you behave, all those things. It's the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 17 to describe when Jesus was transfigured. I'll read you the passage, Matthew 17, verse 2. It says, and he... Jesus, was transfigured, same word as be transformed by the renewing of your mind, same word used here, was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Check this out. Jesus' outer appearance, what? Revealed who he really was on the inside. That's the idea. This transfigured state. Uh, John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, the Holy Spirit achieves this transformation by the renewing of the mind and an essential and repeated New Testament theme. The outward transformation is effected by an inner change in the mind and the Spirit's means of transforming our minds is the Word. God's own Word is the instrument He uses with His own Spirit to renew our minds, which in turn He uses to transform our living. But be transformed by the renewal, not just, hey, we made it once. You read the Bible one time. You read this passage one time. You're good for life. But this ongoing renewal of your mind. You got to change your priorities. Listen, if getting in God's word daily is not a priority to you, do I need to finish the sentence? Or you think you could fill in the blanks. Like, this is what you should care about more than anything else. And yet, you know what happens for a lot of believers? This is the last thing on our mind. You want to know why you struggle, and yet you don't open God's word. There was a, a meme a while back that said, you say, don't say God is silent when your Bible is shut. Like, when, when you think that somehow this doesn't matter... I've told you over and over, we've preached about it. Like Satan wants to keep you from this book as much as he can, as often as he can. Because he knows what this does for you. When you talk about being transformed by the renewal of your mind, this is something that comes from the inside and makes its way out. When you get enough of God's word into your heart and into your mind, it will naturally flow out into the rest of your life. But can I tell you something that's interesting here? 
When we think of our minds being transformed and kind of changing the way that our life is, resetting our priorities, you think that you play a huge role in this, right? You know that you don't do the transforming. Who does? God does. Actually, when you read this in the, in, in the, in the original language, the term there for transformation, transforming, it's, it's the Greek word, I can't say it, but it's metamorphosis, but it's not metamorphosis. But it's where we get our word metamorphosis from. Like, when you look at it, it looks just like metamorphosis. So think about metamorphosis. You guys all know what that is, right? Okay, homeschool kids, you still with me? Good. All right, so just making sure, making sure. I know you had science class one day at the zoo, all right? So stay with me. Right, Carson? Okay, good. So I'm just messing with you. I just had to make sure everyone was paying attention. But you know the idea of metamorphosis, right? A caterpillar, what? Goes into a coon, or a, a cocoon, not a coon. Doesn't go into a raccoon, but into a cocoon. And then he comes out as what? A butterfly. Now you tell me, does a butterfly look a whole lot like a raccoon? Golly, why am I saying raccoon? Like a, like a caterpillar? No, but you can see a little bit, right? Like you can see a little bit that maybe at one time, like the way the body's shaped or something like that. But do you think there's ever a butterfly that goes, man, you know what? Those days of being a caterpillar, that was living. Like, that was the best. I just, I just wish I could go back. I wish I would have never transformed. I, I, I want to be like that. Or you think of uh, like a tadpole to a frog. You think frogs are like, man, these legs. I hate being able to jump around and getting out of the water. Like, it would have been so much better had I just stayed in that little cesspool puddle that mom had me in. Like, that would have been so much better. No. And this idea of metamorphosis, this is what happens for us. This is why the Bible teaches us that anyone is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You've been transformed. So when you allow yourself to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, it's changing you. Changing you completely from the inside out. And it's not something you do to yourself. It's something God does for you. The idea of be transformed in the Greek, I know I'm giving you a lot of this, but just stay with me. In the Greek, it's in the passive voice, which means that you and I don't control it. If it was active, that means that you and I have a role in transforming. But literally, all we're called to do is be in God's word, and God is going to make you into something you never imagined you'd be. Reset your priorities and watch what happens this year. Last one, number four, is to reset your plans. It's kind of the natural way that this moves, but you look at the last part of verse two, it says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'll tell you, being a youth minister as long as I've had, or as long as I've been, I've had so many people ask me, hey, Matt, how do I know what God's will is for my life? It's right here. You know how you would know what God's will is, what he's calling you to do? Reset your perspective, reset your position, reset your priority. You know what it's naturally going to do? It's going to reset your plans. God's power is only expressed in his will for your life, not your will for your life. 
you want, you want to, to experience God in ways that you've never experienced it before, you start changing your plans to be his plans and watch what happens. You watch the doors that God opens. You watch the things that he does. You watch his mercies, which are new every morning. Allow God to reset your plans for you. And that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, his good and acceptable and perfect will. So, the question is, are you willing to do it? We can talk all day. You can listen to me. Not going to change a thing. James says, let us not be here, only hearers of the word, but doers. The change happens when you press the button and hit reset. Say, so, you know what? Let's do this. One of the ways that we want to help you do that this year is... Um, we're trying to come up with some ways to make things a little bit different. We obviously still can't hand out note cards and all this. So you'll see today we're going to post um, kind of an artistic way of taking notes so you can see it. Should be a cool looking thing. Um, but you'll see on there and on our notes every week you're going to see a memory verse. Now this week it's just Romans 12 too, that do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen. I know that that sounds like little kid, oh, what are we camp or whatever. I know what the Bible says. When um, David writes in Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young man or a young woman keep their way pure? You know what he says? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Our goal this year is to get more of you in the word than ever before and to get more of the word into you than ever before. Because we know what this book can do. So let's reset. Take the time. We're going to have a memory verse every week. I encourage you to do it. Don't look at this and go, oh, man, I'm not doing that. Just spend some time every day. Try to do it. And watch what God does when you start to have God's word in your heart. I promise you it will change you. It's time to click reset and say, hey, let's make this year better than any year we've ever had. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Dulas Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.